Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho, what is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head, 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> he clearly, right? Oh, ocean snook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life, mm-hmm. and you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hey, good evening and welcome to Fish Show Northwest. Wayne England, Tommy Donlan here in studios, buddy. Yes, sir. Brought to you from the lovely shores of Summit Lake, located in Olympia, Washington. Always good to be back in studio. It is good. You know? Good to see you. Good to see you. It's been a week, but it's uh, good. There's a lot less of you again. I know, yep. Down 42 pounds. <laughs> just going to keep rolling. <laughs> I didn't even ask you when you got it. I'm, like, I'm just going to wait to find out because yep. I can see this thing is just moving forward. So, yes. uh, nicely done. Thank you, man. And my cardio is probably... Very close to the best it's ever been. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, 42 pounds down, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it definitely helps. Oh, for you sure. think? Yeah. 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 Carry a 45-pound plate around with you all day. Right, long. right. Right? Strap that on your back and see how that feels, and uh, you'll <laughs> you'll uh, recognize what you've done. So, hey, I want to welcome everybody to the show. we got a great show lined up for you this evening, as we always do. A couple really good guests tonight, buddy. Yeah, we do. Uh, it's going to be some good info, and... Uh, some back in the bait lab finally. Tommy's got a great uh, presentation lined up. We'll get into all that here shortly. want to remind everybody as you're tuning in here, uh, take some time later on or even now uh, for a bit. Jump over to our webpage, www.fishhuntnw.com. Check out our online store, which we are revamping, so to speak, getting our inventory caught up after the Sportsman Show. And uh, still plenty of items there to choose from. And Contact us if you have questions, Sherry. We'll definitely get you squared away in that regard. But lots of great info there. We're continuing to add some new stuff here as of late, and that will be posted up here shortly, some new blogs coming your way. So appreciate you taking time there. Also, jump over to our YouTube channel if you have not. Help us out over there. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please share our content. Get it out there for lots of folks to locate us and enjoy what it is uh, we provide each and every week and um, in all forms of video and and content. So with that, Tommy, we have a lot of good info to get through to tonight. Um, yesterday was a bit of a bit of a flame run for me. I did. Yeah, make, how'd that go? I, oh, it was good. I made it down to the down to the Portland Ori, the PDX for the uh, Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show. If you are planning to go down there this year, uh, it's a good idea. You know, 
Um, in, in Puyallup, we kind of experienced a little downturn on the number of vendors mm -hmm. that were participating. I think Trey Kerskadden had told me they were down about 30%. Yeah, not but, as bad as the boat show, though. The boat show was pretty quiet. Was it? Yeah, I would say it was down. The vendors were probably down more like 40 or 50%. Oh, wow. And participation was way down. Lots of floor space. Yeah, definitely yeah. more people, yeah. uh, more density for sure at the sportsman show. The interesting yep. thing is, um, in, in regards to Puyallup, uh, not as big a campus area to cover, mm -hmm. less buildings to get into, but for those of you who showed up, you came there to spend some money. Oh, yeah. Because it might have been a year or two since you'd been there. Obviously, with Puyallup, yep. it had been two years for sure because we didn't have one last year. Down there in Portland yesterday, or just outside of Portland, <clears throat> um, plenty of people. wasn't extremely crowded for an opening day, so it was mm -hmm. kind of nice because you could walk uh, right. comfortably up and down the aisles. Mm -hmm. But as far as vendors, man, there were... A number of folks there. People definitely were signed back on. They were there participating. Lots, uh, lots to see and do. Lots of outfitters there to book trips. Talked to a number of folks. Seems like mm -hmm. they were landing quite a few bookings. People are kind of back to that. Hey, I got to get back fishing. It's been a couple of years. That's or I want to get back up to Alaska. It's been a couple of years, right? So there was that going on. And then a lot of the uh, a lot of the typical characters that you want to want to see. And I spent a good amount of money there at the VIP Pro Escobedo's booth, <laughs> getting some gear for. You need to look forward to this. You need to plan ahead of time. Take advantage of those show specials. Get your gear for the Columbia River Fisheries. Mm -hmm. Get your spinners. Get your hoochie spinners and things that Pro has that work so well down there for your buoy 10 fisheries. Yeah, it's not till August, but you take advantage of now this stuff. Now's the time to buy. Now's the time right. to buy. So obviously, uh, spent a little time at the Max booth with the boys and uh, just kind of worked around and, and, and tied in with folks I hadn't seen in a bit. Kind of, of course, promoting the show, of course. You know, mm -hmm. people want to know how mm -hmm. we're doing because um, we did not have a booth down there. And <clears throat> if uh, everything goes according to plan, we will have a booth down there next year. So we're planning to attend mm -hmm. both shows next year for sure. Mm -hmm. Already have some stuff in the works in regards to that. But uh, introduced myself to a few new faces who they follow the show. They knew who they know who we are, and it was nice. Uh, spent some time talking with Ken Valente of uh, the uh, Coldwater Strong. If you have not checked out Coldwater Strong. You look at this, Tommy, what do you think? Well, I was thinking it was a drift sock. I think a drift I mean, That's kind of what right? it looked like, but there's no hole in the bottom. Yeah. So Ken has the, the guy is just extremely intelligent. You know, he worked for WDFW as a hatchery and fisheries manager, hatchery manager. Okay, did not know that. For yeah. a number of years, he got his fisheries degree. He went to work for WDFW running hatcheries out here, uh, Hump Tulips area and in other areas, Region 5. And a great long history with him. But he's just so doggone smart. You talk to this guy, you're like, this guy's smart. He's kind of like you, engineer brain. Mm -hmm. So he starts uh, developing a whole lot of stuff. He's got his, he's got his whole cadre of, you know, jumpers and bumpers and droppers and the 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 swivels and all the things that make you successful on these Columbia River fisheries. Not just out of the boat, but for the guys on the beach as well. Really yeah. big into an arsenal of really really high quality gear for. Uh, the bank fishing. Yeah, yeah, the plunking and the yeah. multi uh, lure. And we're actually going to take some time to get with Ken. We're going to go down there for the what is known as the, the beach party. We're going to do some plunking. We're going to bring that to you. I'm excited about this. Yeah, I've never done that before. That does sound fun. It is a yeah. culture, right? I mean, it is truly a culture of folks. And I, there was a number of folks standing around his booth that I was talking to. They're excited to get us down there because, let's face it, Columbia mm -hmm. River, that, that kind of beach activity that, you know, the party that is, the plunking <laughs> that goes on for Springers even, obviously, uh, is, a, is a lot of fun, can be a family event. And, yeah, I know guys have been doing it for you. I have done it. 
But I want to take it to this next level. I want to get down there and watch these guys get opportunity at catching these springers with uh, with no boat or whatever, mm -hmm. right? So it's just uh, had a really long conversation um, with Ken and all the products that he's created. He's got some new stuff coming out, guys. It's going to blow your mind. I mean, he was showing me this stuff, Tommy, that he's, gonna, he's getting uh, all ready for release here in the next few months. Absolutely caught me off guard. I was like, oh my God, that is like revolutionary. He's got the breakaway flasher releases. He's got, yeah, all, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. but more stuff coming that just is like, it just makes too much sense. Yeah. The evolution of fishing, right? It's like mm -hmm. what we were doing 10, 15 years ago, and I had this conversation with a few folks here at the show. The evolution of fishing has made us so much more efficient as recreational anglers. Mm -hmm. When they give us a quota-based fishery, we typically knock it out of the park. Mm -hmm. we're, we're our own demise. There are oftentimes our fisheries, well, they'll say the numbers, we've hit the quota, and so we get, you know, we gotta get off the water. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, we are getting pretty good in consistently catching fish when yeah. we have opportunity, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, you gotta be efficient too, right? So, I mean, think <laughs> about when, um, you know, when I, I first started saltwater fishing as a kid on Puget Sound, it was, it was a hand crank manual 10 fathom downrigger, yeah. okay? Yeah. And that was a slow go. Like, usually, in a lot of cases, the fish was to the boat before I could get the downrigger ball up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now we've got high-speed downriggers. Oh. We've got electric reels for halibut. You know, and people will make fun of me. Oh, you're playing video games, right? Uh -huh. Oh, look at you. Uh -huh. you know, like Ian Winder, little strawberry shortcake <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're just playing video games. And you know what? It's, it's just jealousy because you are so efficient that you do not have to keep the first halibut that comes over the rail. Right. You're looking for the bigger models, right? Mm -hmm. And it allows you to do that. And every year there's something new that comes out that makes us more efficient at, at this game. That is truly the key too. These innovations do equal efficiency and mm -hmm. equals more time in the water. When you're fishing right. 800 feet, do you want to spend the majority of your time going down and coming up with hand crank or do you want right. to get up and down at a decent amount of time and get your get your presentation mm -hmm. down where the fish are, right? Because right. that drift only goes for so long. Yep. And if you spend half the time trying to get, so anyway. But just the evolution and this stuff, I mean, Ken is cranking out some great stuff. We got more to do with him in the future. A lot of it from a tutorial's perspective because we're doing some of these fisheries anyway. I wanna start utilizing his stuff. I've seen him on the periphery here for the last couple of years and looked at what he was doing going, this, this guy is onto something mm -hmm. here. I finally had time because I made it down there to go talk to him because I wasn't there last year. So to uh, track him down and have a great conversation, just start to, you know, gonna work with him. Really good stuff, cold water strong. If you haven't checked him out, look him up online. I'm telling you guys, no matter what type of fishery you're doing, there's some things that he's creating that is applicable to your fishery and you're gonna have us uh, uh, working with him more in the very near future. Also, ran into the uh, the drill bit bait spinner king oh, of the yeah. world. Huh? I'm standing there and all of a sudden here comes smiling Mike Serdick just, just strolling <laughs> on through the, and I'm like, what are you doing down there? I thought Ray Marine wasn't here. And he's like, well, we're not. I go, well, he's, you're wearing the shirt. He's right? like, I heard there was a knuckle buster for sale. Yeah, good point. Yeah. So we had a great conversation. Uh, looking forward to that CQ opener. Looking yeah. forward to getting out on some springers. He assured me we are taking the Allied down to the Columbia and we are going to be awesome. catching some springers. So yep, looking forward things to, that. to look forward to. We're going to get into that a little later in the show. 
as we run down uh, an opportunity of things to come, Springer's is on the mind of many as of late here, Tommy. It always yeah. kind of culminates around that Portland Sportsman Show. Mm -hmm. Really start generating that conversation about Springer's and, hey, have you been out yet? And, you know, is anybody catching any right. yet? And, and we're going to cover some of that, too, with we Mark are, Ross tonight. Yes, we are. We're going to yeah. get into that and some projections of uh, what's going on. So we got that to look forward to. Yeah, and so before we get there, we've got a free fishing weekend coming up. We, and free is always good. Free for who? Free for anybody, absolutely anybody in the state of Oregon, right? Oh, in Oregon. This weekend. Okay. Yeah, not here. Okay. But in Oregon, February 19th and 20th this weekend. Gotcha. Um, it's free to fish. And you can clam, you can crab, you can fish. You can do it all. So they got their free fishing weekend over President's holiday, yep. President's Day weekend. Mm -hmm. And as you said, no licenses are required, right? No. Um, and uh, no, no tags, no, so two rod endorsement, you don't need to have that. Mm -hmm. You can fish pretty much any, uh, anywhere the Columbia River uh, endorsement isn't needed. So pretty much all the licensing that you need is like, you, you don't need it, Absolved, right? Absolved, yeah. Okay. Okay. yeah. But you know, you gotta remember though, you do have to follow the rules and regulations and bag limits and size limits, right? So you know, you don't wanna meet the game warden for the first time on your free fishing weekend and say, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think this is a salmon. I, you know, right. I'm not sure. It might be a trout. How'd you guys I mean, do? Well, officer, look yeah, at this. We, we got 39 trout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's you like, do have to follow the rules, right? right? And so you can go on to um, ODFW and, and check that out. Uh, look for Oregon sport fishing regulations. You should be able to find everything you need there. Perfect. Well, take um, full advantage of that. I think weather is supposed to be kind of conducive to getting out. And a uh, great opportunity to introduce... Folks, so if you and that's I... That's the key. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, the That key. recruitment component, right? We have friends. Ah, I don't want to pay for... You know what? We're going to take you fishing this weekend. And it's not going to cost you anything but a little boat gas and some food because, yep. you know, here you go. So, uh, great opportunity to take advantage of. Please do so. Um, here's one that caught my attention, got my hackles up a little bit, Tommy. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So, as you recall, in 2020, the federal listing of our gray wolves was handed down to, at the state, state level, level, in a lot mm -hmm. of western states... The states are now in charge of managing their gray wolves. And it's like, okay, great, it's at the state level. What does that mean? Well, it means they're getting to recovery status that the feds can relinquish responsibility, give it to the states. Mm -hmm. The states can oversee the uh, program and ensuring that you know it's balanced and whatnot. And ultimately, mm -hmm. you want to get it to a point where part of the management of the program is involving the opportunity for hunters to harvest a percentage of wolves annually, which helps maintain that. The balance. The balance. Right. Yes. So that's where it was. Yeah. Uh, apparently a judge, a California judge, puts the gray wolves back under Federal Endangered Species Act and puts the wolves back under uh, that listing uh, by range of environmental groups that had sued the Trump administration over its January 4th 2021 delisting, which was subsequently mm -hmm. defended by the Biden administration. So in other words, these uh, environmental groups, these activist groups, these anti-hunting groups right. have gone back at the federal level to say, we want these wolves reinstated at the federal level. Why? Because if they're federally listed as ESA, you're not hunting them. Right. No matter what. You know, and so this is just another example where the facts and the data are not driving the decision making, right? Yeah, good this, point. Is, this is an absolutely... Um, political situation and it's unfortunate that you have one judge from California that is controlling <laughs> everything yeah. at a federal level. Sure it wasn't the okay? governor. 
Yeah, <laughs> might have been. It might have been. And so, you know, what this does is it doesn't affect all of our all of our zones, right? We've got three zones in Washington Specific State. Washington, right? okay. We've got Northeast, mm-hmm. Cascades, mm-hmm. Um, and South. And, you know, we've got 29 packs. 23 of the 29 packs are in that Northeast quadrant, Correct. right? So because those are above that, you know, criteria level mm-hmm. of management, so many mm-hmm. mating pairs, right? Yep. They don't get to manage those under this new federal listing. So state retains the northeast quadrant. Correct. Okay. Correct. Gotcha. But the other two zones go mm-hmm. under this federal, federal bucket. Federal mandate now. Right. Yeah, which uh, Sportsman Alliance came out and said they're very disappointed by today's ruling. It's clear that wolves have recovered across their intended ranges and placed under, when placed under uh, federal protection. Uh, they're also going to continue to work with partners to ensure recovered wolf populations are properly delisted and return to the state management as was laid out in the court case of 2017. So they got, there's eyes on it. Yeah, there is, there is. Yeah, and you know, similar remarks from Kyle Weaver, president and CEO of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. He said, scientists, biologists, and professional wildlife managers agree that wolf populations are stable and growing. And as such, they should remain under the umbrella of state management um, since state wildlife agencies successfully manage all of their other wildlife in yeah. line mm-hmm. with the North American Wildlife Conservation Model, which is a widely accepted model that mm-hmm. we've used for years and years and years, and it works really well. And that is what is being attacked by all these anti-hunting groups across the nation. Mm-hmm. Really strong opposition to the North American Wildlife Conservation Model here in the western states on the west coast. Washington, Oregon, California are under a barrage of action suits and these anti-hunting groups going after everything they can at state levels and whatever courts they can get into just to muddy Mm -hmm. stuff up and they have a tremendous amount of support because three percent or less than us hunt right right yep it's a numbers game it's a numbers game so Mm -hmm. people need to pay attention to this we have more information coming in in the near couple next couple weeks Uh, we're gonna start directing you folks to some additional groups that you need to be uh, tied in with, connected with, mm-hmm. get online. We can do a lot of work simply by submitting things online and get the attention of those that need to be paying attention uh, to the other side. Because there is two sides to this, and these anti-hunting groups serve no purpose for us That's for sure. that just want to enjoy uh, our opportunity mm-hmm. that we've been given. So, uh, hey, by the way, before we uh, jump out for a break, last week we pulled a name out of the bucket and I have moved everything over there next to you. That entire chair is filled with Fish on Northwest and Max Lure uh, components. We have tried to reach out multiple times. It's been a full week. I finally said, that's it. That's unreal. We gave it a week. You know, there's a phone number Called, on there, too. And, and nobody's yeah. answering. So uh, for those of you that qualified at the Sportsman Show a couple weeks ago, either by spin of the wheel or by purchase on Saturday and Sunday, as we had advocated for on that Thursday, uh, your name is in the bucket. So we're going to pull out another name, and hopefully we can get a winner on this week's uh, yeah, drawing let's hope because they that is that is close to one hundred and fifty dollars worth of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there we go. Ryan McCann. Ryan McCann uh, has won that prize pack, Fish Hunt Northwest, and Max Lure. And I got his phone number right here. And if uh, if he doesn't reach out or respond here on the show during the show this evening, then uh, we will reach out to him after the show. And hopefully, All right. Ryan, if you're watching, you can please reach out to us. Yes, but please answer your phone if we do call you. So, Ryan McCann, uh, you're going to win all that stuff sitting right there in the chair next to Tommy um, if we're able to get a hold of you. Okay, uh, moving on. We have a great show lined up, a couple great guests 
not strangers to the show by any means. Uh, running down the show, Tommy, we're going to first jump in with Troy Black, owner of Blackie's Guide Service, winter into early spring, Lake Roosevelt Trophy Kokanee and Trophy uh, Triploid Rainbows. Troy will get you dialed in for success. Then, of course, uh, none other than the, the man himself, Mark Uwasa. WDFW Communications Consultant now. Yeah, oh, that's a big, role. fancy that's title. Exciting. I love it. Yeah. WDFW Communications Consultant. Mark is here to give us an update as to all that is going on and what you need to take advantage of. And trust me, there is a ton. Uh, then, my friend, we are going to put the focus on you uh, in the Bait Lab. Fish on Northwest Bait Lab. Our own Tommy Donlin is back in the Bait Lab. Presented by Sportco and Max Lure to get you ready to go blackmouth fishing on this reopener here next week. Looking forward to okay. it. And then after that, we'll come back. We'll close out the show. Uh, we'll reannounce uh, Ryan's name if he didn't catch it the first time. We're going to give away this this packet. And we have a few, uh, few other things to go over before we get out of here for the evening. So lots to look forward to, lots of conversations to have. Don't go anywhere. We're going to jump out for a couple-minute break. We come back. Troy Black, Blackie's Guide Service, is going to be on the phone with us right here at Fish on Northwest. Sportco, an outdoor emporium, is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975, providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. Make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse-style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer, offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors await you. It's easier than ever to browse homes and connect with an agent on the go with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate's mobile app. With the app, your home search is synced across all of your devices, so you can pick up your home search anytime, anywhere. Take full advantage of an enriched, mobile-optimized map search experience. Use location services to quickly find homes near you that match your search criteria. Draw your own map boundaries to find homes in a specific area, and apply layers to view school districts, neighborhoods, zip codes, and more. The app's user-friendly design makes it easier than ever to find a home you'll love. Narrow down your search results, save your search criteria, and save your favorite homes. You can browse your saved homes in a list view that puts photos and key details, like price and square footage, right at your fingertips. Or check out your saved homes displayed on the map. Hey, welcome back in studio here to Wayne England, Tommy Donlan, Fish on Northwest, and one of our favorites on yes. the phone when it comes yes, to Trout Coconut at Eastside Fishery. Brought to you by Defiance Marine. Over the rail with Troy Black, Blackie's Guide Service. No stranger to the show. Check him out, www.blackiesfishing.com. Troy, so good to always get you on. Thanks for taking some time this evening, buddy. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, we're great. We're great. Uh, really looking forward to here in a few days because I'm finally our calendar is finally aligned. Uh, That's fingers, right. fingers crossed and God's blessings. We're not going to get blown off the water on Monday, but, uh, me <laughs> and our buddy, Matt Messing, cause Tommy can't make it with me, but wow. Matt Messing mess around fishing charters. He's actually going to come fresh, some fish, some fresh water. Tommy. Oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah. This is horrible, though. I've been looking forward to this trip know, for a while. I know. And I can't make it. I know. We'll, we'll get you over there. We'll Eventually. get you over That's there. what you said last year. I know. But, uh, Troy, no, let's face the, it. Yeah. Here's the deal, Tommy. Tommy, you just text me when you can come, and we'll kick Dwayne to the corner. There you go. Awesome. All right. Amen, brother. I'm all, I'm all good with that. <laughs> I, see what's going, I see what's going on here now. 
<laughs> Troy, you are uh, you are uh, pretty well dialed when it comes to locating and finding these uh, these big kokanee and those nice triploids over there at, at Roosevelt. Um, for those unfamiliar, maybe a little history. Where do these where do these bigger kokanee come from, and why are they there? Okay, well, there's um, a little history of the lake. There are there are three subspecies of kokanee in the lake. Um, the smaller, you know, 16 to 19 inch fish, um, and they, they're built like a sockeye. Those fish come down river from Lake Coeur d'Alene mm-hmm. and migrate into the lake. The, uh, those nine, 18 to 20, 21 inch fish that are nice and sleek looking, those just a little bit bigger than the Coeur d'Alene fish. Those are, those are actually Canadian fish to migrate down through the system, through Kootenai Lake and everything else. Wow. And then you have the the resident native, well, I guess you call them native, the resident kokanee. Those are the, you know, those 18 to 25 inch big jumbo footballs. Yeah. And, uh, and those are the, like I said, the resident fish. Mm. And so, um, you know, doing doing research with the tribe for the last two or three years, GPS and these fish and, uh, you know, trying to help out there. They find out, they found out that, uh, the Canadian and the Coeur d'Alene fish are tributary spawners, but the resident fish are in lake spawners. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. So knowing that, um, you know, it kind of gives you a little bit more information on where you want to target, mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, for June, July, August, those fisheries, those fish start to stage and everything like that, um, to go up and spawn in September. Mm. So, um, but that's a little bit about the, the kokanee, the lake. Um, you know, we tagged the fish last spring, two springs ago. Um, about five miles up lake from Keller Ferry, the first week of February, they observed that fish all the way, went all the way down to the dam. So that's another, what, 16 miles or so. Mm-hmm. Hung out for a couple months, swam all the way back 140 miles up lake towards Kettle Falls. And in October, turned around and came back down lake and, um, by the first of February last year, when we were tagging fish, that fish was it back to Keller Ferry. Uh, no kidding. Mm, unreal. So, yeah. Unreal. So trying to like, you know, trying to dial these fish in yeah. when they're, they're like that, it, it can be, it can be a chore Yeah, for sure. So, so talk about that a little bit. So it sounds like, you know, you got that June, July timeframe when you've got the larger models in. Um, mm-hmm. how are you finding, like if some, if you wanted to just target those large fish, those large kokanee, um, what tactics and techniques are you using just to find the fish? How do you find them? Okay. So, um, so the fish in November, November through until they start bringing the water back up. So they're dropping the lake right now at about a foot a day. Mm. Um, I think we're at 1277 ish today. And, uh, just found out they're going to take it down to about 1250 mm. and, uh, bottom pool, I think like at 1228 or whatever. Um, so we got another 25 or 30 feet to, to drop 
as they drop the lake like that aggressively, it flushes all the shrimp and all the bait down to that bottom 10, 12, 15 miles of the lake. Well, all the fish, the triploids, the rainbows, everything, kokanee, they all follow that bait down to the lake and, and then they'll hang out and, uh, somewhere, you know, that middle to end of May, when they start bringing the lake back up, those fish then disperse again and, um, and then go into their, the spawners will go into their staging areas to spawn. Um, and so, and, and they go deep, they, they get off the surface and they go back down. And, uh, so if you're, you know, middle of June through first of September, if you're trying to target great, great big spawner fish, um, then you get into the, into the tributaries, you know, the mouths of the tributaries, like the mouth of the sand foil, mm. mouth of Kettle River, mouth yeah. of Hot Creek, those, those places like that. And, and they're just out there swimming around. So, um, in the summer like that, if, you know, if I'm not summer Chinook and sockeye fishing, I'll be over there. I run four downriggers and I put this, and this is exactly how I start them. I run one at 45, one at 50, one at 55 and one at 60. Mm. I run 50 feet back and, uh, and they're going to be in that 45 to 75 foot column. That's just where they're going to hang out in the summertime. Um, when it gets super, super hot, they'll drop down to 80, 90 feet. Um, but those 80, 90, 100 foot fish, I have a hard time getting the fire. Mm. Um, but those 45 to 75 foot fish, you mark them on your screen and they will bite. Yeah, it, you know, me, historically, so. when I've been successful over there, Troy, and it's been hit and miss for me, to be honest. Uh, I do uh, recall and have logged that, you know, those fish that are in that 45 to 55 foot, 60 foot, seem to be pretty active biters on a pretty consistent basis, as you're stating. Um, yep. But I also found that uh, the consistency there in the couple of years that I was finding them like that, they like to be out in that 300 foot water, but at that depth. How do you, yes. how do you, or what is your method in locating those fish? Are you typically finding them consistently and say that 300 foot water, it can it be in that 200 foot water. Is there any variance in that regard as far as overall depth and then actual depth that you find those biters? Yeah. So I, I concentrate, um, a lot of my time, um, around, around the Keller Ferry area during, during that summer, those summer months, simply because we have family that have, you know, and have a place there, we camp in there, uh, we've been there, you know, we've been going there for 40 something years yeah. as a family. And, um, so that's the 10 or 12 miles that I really dial myself into. And so what I've, what I've done is I took the, I took the time, got my topple maps and I found those underwater cliffs mm. and, uh, big geographical changes. And so underwater stuff. So, um, those fish are still structurally oriented, mm. even though, so, you know, you'll have a, you'll have a spot in the lake that you'll find a flat that's 50, 60 feet deep and then drops off into 300. Mm -hmm. I'm going to fish around that area and those fish are just in there milling around, um, staging. And it's, it's, it, what's crazy is 
you can be in 300 feet of water down 45 feet, mark a fish at 50, hook that fish. And it's a 20 inch walleye. Hmm, really suspended, suspended like that. Suspended like that. Yep. How about wow. that? Yeah. Yeah. So That's really interesting. Uh, yeah. So those, and I think, I think like the walleye, I think they're just in there. They know, they know there's bait there. There's, yeah. there's, they're feeding. Right. And so, um, so not every mark is a kokanee. <laughs> yeah, but, right. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but I just try to, I just try to, you know, like I said, I just try to find those drop offs, those cliff edges, um, those big, big gullies that are coming down adjacent to the, to the main lake and then just fishing around in there. Yeah. So, hey, these, these uh, kokanee are eating a, I believe you, you've told me before, it's like a freshwater um, shrimp species. I, I'm curious, yeah. you know, it, have you ever played with your sonar? Are these things way too small to get onto your sonar? Or can you actually see those in the water column? And the reason that I'm asking is when I go tuna fishing, right, I can see mm-hmm. where the thermocline is on my sonar and I can see, I call it a schmeg layer, but it's, you know, it's kind of like all the copepods and um, the zooplankton and the phytoplankton and, and all of those those smaller mechanisms organisms are just like stacked on that thermocline. I'm wondering, can you see any of that with your sonar? So in the winter time when they're flushing the lake, like they're doing now, mm-hmm. I don't. Um, in the summertime, I will see pods of bait, mm. um, and, and it'll just and it, what it'll look like on your on your screen is just a black ball, and you know it could be. 30, 40 feet to a hundred yards long. Wow. It's like, Oh my gosh, look at that. What is that down there? It's 60 feet deep and it's 30, you know, 60 feet down and it's 30 feet thick for a hundred yards. Wow. And you just, you're looking at it like, what in the world is that? And all of a sudden your rods are bouncing and you catch coconut. It's like, Whoa, well, well, okay. Well those, that's the shrimp. Right on. So, so, so you will. So in the summertime when the, when the water's more stagnant, there's always current, but when it's more stagnant, mm-hmm. you will find those those chunks of those clouds of shrimp. Yeah, yeah. that's really cool. Makes sense. Uh, so, yeah. speak about uh, a little more about this time of year. Colder water. Uh, they are drawing the water down, so you do have some water yep. moving. Obviously, um, are the fish up shallower? I know you know side planer program over there can be pretty uh, conducive to to locating and and being successful. Downriggers fished shallow to kind of get a spread going. Talk a little bit about your approach, downrigger versus side planer, and uh, okay. how, how you decide which and which one to go with. Yeah, so so right now, um, as of today, we were on the lake today fishing. Um, the water temp was 38.6, and it was steady the whole day, uh, which is about three degrees colder than normal. This time of year, water temp's about 41. Um, all the fish are up in the top 15 feet of water. Mm. And so, uh, you know, we're catching them on, on the big boards, on the side planers mm-hmm. for sure. Cause as you're driving through the, a pot of fish or, or a fish, you know, it's scattering from the boat because it's, you know, it's up on the surface, in the yeah. shallower right. chunk of water. And, um, so what you have to do with your, with your, uh, downriggers is, you know, just make sure they're long sets. Um, I caught three fish today on my rigger. I was like a hundred and 150, 175 feet back. And I was five feet deep. Wow. Um, that's crazy. But I was, 
Yeah. I wasn't getting bit and I wasn't getting bit at a hundred feet. Oh, I just kept, I just kept paying more line out every time yeah. I'd come re, you know, rebate. And, uh, I was out there in that 150 to 175 foot range when, when then we started getting bit. Um, a lot of guys, I saw several guys today that were just long lining, no boards, no riggers, nothing. And, um, and when you do that, you need to be a, probably two hundred to two fifty back. Oh, wow. That's a country and, mile. That is a long way. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And that, and that, you know, those, that gear is only maybe a foot or two under the water. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So, so you um, talked about the, the stray walleye, mm-hmm. um, that was lost and, and you hooked mm-hmm. in that, you know, 40, 40 foot water column or so. Um, can you, you know, you're also catching triploids out there. Can you talk about oh, yeah. kind of the difference in approach between kokanee and triploids? Like, do, is are, are the triploids just a bycatch? You're catching them on kokanee gear, or do you actually, you know, change your methodology when you're targeting them? No. Yeah, I well, I always run in my set today, like, for example, today. Um, my crew, you know, wanted to catch kokanee, but they were totally happy catching, catching triploids and rainbows. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I always, always set, two specific rods specific for, for trout. Um, you know, a little perch or or, um, a fly with a night crawler. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kokanee will hit those. Yeah. Uh, but when they, but when a kokanee hits those, he's always a jumbo. Uh, the mm-hmm. biggest kokanee we've caught so far this season on my boat in the last two weeks was a 23 inch or 23 and a half inch kokanee. And he hit a fly with a night crawler. Oh, wow. And so people tell you they don't hit worms. Right. They don't fish Lake Roosevelt because they'll hit a night crawler. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yep, they hit and, night crawlers. And yep. if they'll hit a night crawler, guaranteed he'll be over 20 inches. Yeah. He'll be a monster. Um, so I always I always have those two rods out. It keeps people busy. Mm-hmm. And it lets me know if I'm in fish. Because the, the kokanee and the triplets are in there mixed in together. Okay. Um, as they start to school up. Right. Um, the kokanee on the lake are super nomadic. Mm. They don't school up through, you know, during the regular season. Right. They school up as they start flushing the water and take, you know, take the water out of the lake. Mm-hmm. Then they have no place. They have no place but to, to you know, get schooled up. So, um, that's my barometer. If I'm on, if I'm getting bit, the trout are in there. The triploids are in there hitting my trout gear. Then, then I know I'm in fish, and I just need to keep working around the area. Um, and they'll hit the kokanee gear too. So, um, but if I'm, if I have strictly triploid trips, uh, rainbow trips, then yeah, then I'll, I'll run, you know, more flies, night crawlers, uh, different scents. And we speed up a lot, you know, one, eight to two, 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 four, sometimes in the, in the summertime when the water's warm. I'll run uh, needlefish, mm-hmm. big needlefish, and I'll be two eight to three four. That's cruising. Wow, that's yeah, cranking. Yeah, yeah. Let's and talk, when hey, Troy, they let's smash talk, that thing, let's talk a little bit about that speed and how it equates to your trolling and in your decision making yeah. process in regards to that. So, this time of year when they're flowing water, I mean, we get some pretty good current cranking down the lake, right? So, because yeah. they're dropping that water, so that increases current speed. Is your approach on that, obviously, if you're going against current, your gear is very active. If you're going with current, mm-hmm. you got to exceed that current speed 
to engage your gear and get it to to do what it's designed to do. So there's there's the idea of going with or against current indoor. Do you at times uh, or not uh, troll perpendicular to the current? Because then you know your gear for the most part is working. Uh, in your covering, you know sometimes um, you're actually covering more ground with those and in, in getting it in front of more fish because of the way the fish are traveling. What's your what's your thoughts or regards or how do you uh, how do you actually gauge and make up your mind which direction you're trolling and how? Yeah, every every day on the lake is a little different. Okay. Um, some days they want it with against the current. Some days they want it with. Now, hmm. um, today, every fish I caught today was going up lake against the current. Hmm. <clears throat> um, as I went down lake, never got a bite today. No kidding. Hmm. And, yep. And so, so I put that into play. Um, I mean, we caught that. We got a we got that twenty inch or that twenty inch kokanee today for that gal. And so I spun around and worked the area. Um, and, uh, every time I went down, down with the current, couldn't get bit, spun right back around and you get bit. What was um, your speed difference? If you th- so, think about that going up or down. So what I, what I, what I try to do is I'm trying to stay in that one, three to one five mm-hmm. and I will catch both species. Huh? If I'm up in that one, six, and, and faster, I won't catch any kokanee, but I catch all rainbows. Catch rainbows, yeah. Hmm. Uh, if I'm down below one three, you know, I'm down in that point nine to one 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 two, I won't catch any rainbows. Hmm. I'll catch all kokanee. Interesting. So my what I found over the years is my sweet spot for getting both fish is that one three to one five. Okay. And write that down. And and with that said, <laughs> yeah, that also depends on the bend of your of your dodgers that you're running mm. like you know the teardrop type drop dodgers yeah. that you can bend and manipulate and so um i like a pretty aggressive kick um on mine gotcha. i know some guys barely put a bend in theirs yeah uh, so so in order for me to if i'm going to go downhill like that then i know i need to crank her up about one six ish downhill mm-hmm. to get my gear back to back to to swimming like i like it mm-hmm um, and so, but every day is different. I mean, Monday when we're, when you and I are over there, yeah. Hey, they, they might want it all downhill gotcha. and you're like, really? Wow. For, for five days you wanted it uphill. Now you want it downhill. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna run up against a break here before we get out of here. Give me your top three colors okay. of lures and color patterns for Dodgers. Uh, pink, orange, and orange and pink. <laughs> yeah, there you go. How about that? I, I kind of figured it would be in that, that general vicinity. <laughs> and if you want to, and if you want to go crazy on them, you're right. Throw throw something chartreuse at them. Okay. But but pink, orange, orange and pink combination, and you've got it dialed. Whether you like, you know, Max Rocky Mountain tackle or Shasta or whatever, right. whatever your perfect preference is, is totally cool. As long as you're running those three colors, you'll be you'll be in the money. And I know we're out to break, but the name of the game right now is cover water. Yeah. Because the fish are migrating. They're not holding. Gotcha. So just put the miles on. You'll bump into them and you'll catch them. 
Fantastic. Always very good information with you, Troy. That's why we keep having you come back because you're so forthcoming with the good intel to help people be successful when they make the trek from the west side over there and uh, enjoy yeah. the day. So, hey, looking forward to Monday, buddy. Finally going to jump in the boat. Can't wait. Going to make some good content with you uh, to bring back to our viewers and uh, really looking forward to that. So appreciate you jumping on. Uh, he's Troy Black, everybody. Blackie's Guide Service, www.blackiesfishing.com. Look him up, book a trip, do yourself a favor. Troy, I will see you Monday. Have a great evening, my friend. Okay. All right. See you guys. All right. Take care. Bye. Good night. Have a good one. There you go, yeah, Tommy. Everything you need to know and more I know. to get a dial. Yeah, in. I think that's part of what draws people to kokanee fishing is it's, it's like this Rubik's Cube that's always changing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You always got to figure out the approach to catch them, and it can be different on any given day. It's ridiculous. I mean, the, de the depth um, that they travel mm -hmm. being different, that's mm -hmm. interesting. The speed they travel, um, you know, the speed that you have to travel, right? Yeah. And then going with the current against current, not always the same. Right. And then... You know, it's almost like fishing the ocean in a sense because you've got to cover, you know, sometimes like 15, 20 miles mm -hmm. to figure out where those fish are, yeah. right? Like he said, right now they're migrating, mm -hmm. and so you got to cover a lot of water. So, you know, in a lot of aspects, it's almost like what turkey is to to a big game, you know, right. a big game hunter. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, what kokanee is Good to say an uh, ocean salmon yeah. fisherman. And, yeah. you know, you, you think, well, it's, you know, they're here yesterday. We should just be able to go out and get them. But, I mean, you're talking 190-mile reservoir. Right. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. Or 150-mile yep. reservoir. You know, Flaming Gorge, mm -hmm. where I'm going this summer, is a 190-mile reservoir. Same yeah. thing. It's hunt and peck and try to find them. And when they're up shallow, you're not marking them on your electronics. Right. So you rely on a lot of the stuff Troy was saying, widespread Far, far setbacks. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, 200 so, feet, 250? Oh, yeah. Man, I've never heard of that. Braided line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you can get it on your spool. All right. Uh, great stuff, as always, from Troy. We are uh, up against it here. We're going to jump out for a quick break. We come back. Don't go anywhere. Mark Uasa, now the WDFW communications consultant, Tommy. And he's going to jump on with tons of great info on things that are happening now, things that are coming in the near future, additional things to look forward to, our full-on uh, WDFW Roundup with Mark Uasa. We come back from this break right here at Fish on Northwest. A Northwest favorite for almost 40 years, Arima boats are manufactured with pride right here in Bremerton, Washington. Arima Boats offers all of our boats with Honda outboard packages so that you can take full advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda outboard. With literally thousands of Arima boats on the water throughout the Pacific Northwest, Arima boats are a proven hull design that offers incredible fuel economy and all of the amenities that a serious angler is looking for. All Arima boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why we back our boats with a lifetime warranty. All of our Arima boats are designed to maximize deck space while also providing ample seating. Contact us today at Arima Boats for all your boating needs and let us help you get out on the water. Today, the need for quality private security services is at an all-time high. Contract Security Service provides day-to-day -day peace of mind as they protect people and property. Here at Phoenix, we provide service for multiple state and federal contracts with services ranging from uniform, patrol, alarm monitoring, canine detection, executive protection, as well as investigative work. Phoenix client management models are built on understanding our client's security needs 
and responding with a tailored program that is best fit for them. Phoenix provides excellent customer service through well-trained, highly motivated security professionals. Recruiting highly qualified officers is the first step in building a strong team. Currently, we are comprised of 70% prior law enforcement and military veterans. If you are prior military or law enforcement, go to www.phoenixprotectivecore.com and apply today. Welcome back in studio here, Dwayne England, Tommy Donlan, and boy, a ton of info from Troy, wasn't it? It's amazing, man. <laughs> There's so this? much detail there. I hope that people were taking notes. I hope they were too, and if yeah. they didn't, they can go back and watch it, because right. there was a ton of detail, and uh, the the success is in the detail, mm -hmm. and it's ever-changing. So, But uh, moving on, our next guest, who has uh, been waiting patiently, as we're running a little long, as we typically do, Tommy, in our backyard, presented by Phoenix Protective Corp., Mark Uasa, in his new position, WDFW Communications Consultant. That just sounds... I like the ring I that. like the ring. How you doing, Mark? <laughs> I'm doing good, guys. Doing good. Well, appreciate you taking some time to jump on with us tonight. Kind of a, a WDFW roundup of sorts. And, you know, we got a uh, we got a number of meetings that are fast approaching here. Uh, Tommy and I will be covering them week by week and as we progress through this, this uh, season-setting process. But... Got a meeting coming up on uh, March 4th, I believe. What's, uh, what's on the docket? What can folks anticipate? Yeah, well, let's, let's back up a little bit here first. So um, it's kind of, I feel like a, you know, a kid at Christmas almost, you know, on February 23rd, which oh, that's is, right. you know, next Wednesday, yes. we're going to be hearing about uh, Columbia River Spring Chinook season being set. Right. And, right. you know, after seeing some of those forecasts popping out, you know, earlier in the, in the month here, um, boy, I mean, it sounds like things will be uh, looking good on paper, at least. You know, we'll see what these uh, in-season counts go. But um, if, if all pans out, I'm, I'm kind of geeked about that. And, you know, a little less constraints on those lower tributaries, yeah. the Cowlitz and the Lewis and Kalamas. So, you know, it, it should be a good one, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, and like you said, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, so we I did jump ahead there. We uh, we do have that coming out the 23rd, and I, as well as you and many others, are anticipating, hopefully, as you just mentioned, good numbers, and we can look forward to some great opportunity. Uh, you know, on the heels of last year, that was kind of lackluster on a few of those tributaries you just mentioned. So let's hope for a uh, decent rebound and some great opportunity in that regard. But uh, moving ahead, yeah, we do have uh, the <laughs> forecast meeting coming up on the 4th, so lots of folks anticipating some good numbers on some of our fisheries, but we can't really jump into exact numbers, but what do you know so far? Well, I mean, yeah, like you said, you know, tune in on March 4th for that on the televideo. So I think that's really nice that it gives access for a lot of people to kind of hear what's going to come down for us for this year. But I mean, just looking at that ocean coho run, the, the forecast that came out a little while ago, I mean, it's, it's hitting 1.2 million. Mm. I know last year we were at 1.7, but I mean, the post run was more like 1.1 million. So if we're on track, you know, and things look like they did like last year and, you know, bless, bless this person, but, you know, former state fishery manager for the coast once told me that if you see anything over 700,000 coming back, you know, that's, that's a pretty darn good number of coho. And, and with 1.2, if we're off, you know, hey, I'll, I'll, I think there'll still be some excitement on yeah. the coast for people to look forward to. And, you know, a lot of this has to do with, I think we're just seeing some better ocean conditions mm -hmm. for the second year in a row. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, we're in that neutral state, right? So, you know, I think between that and just, 
you know, what we saw last year, I, I, I hope, hope, you know, fingers crossed, we'll see some stuff coming back better than we did. That's good. You know, it's interesting, Mark. I was looking at those ocean conditions, and, you know, when you look at the tuna runs from, say, like 2007 to 2012, um, when we had those banner tuna years, the ocean conditions are very similar. And so I was kind of disappointed to see, you know, we had really good ocean conditions last year, but we didn't see the tuna run that we were supposed to see. So I, I'm hoping that the tuna show up again. Uh, yes, you I got to mention that. Right. Um, but, you know, another fishery that I know is near and dear to your heart and a local fishery here in Area 10 is our blackmouth fishery. And we right. got a little sneak peek of that, right? It was like a little tease, like, you know, here everybody gets to go out. You know, mm -hmm. fishing was good. Mm -hmm. And then we shut it down, but we're going to get another chance at it. Um, can you remind everybody like where the quota is and kind of what to expect and how many days do you think we're going to get? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's scheduled to open next Thursday, February 24th. They did mm -hmm. switch it up and in the three day week now will be Thursday, Friday, Saturday versus Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, but it, it does start on February 24th. So one Chinook daily limit, um, you know, we're, uh, from what I heard, the catch guidelines right around 43%, I want to say somewhere in there. Mm. But, you know, I think the caveat to this whole thing is that you've got area five opening up, you know, soon after on March 1st. So, you know, that I think the hope and the idea is maybe that'll spread some of the pressure, but you know, I mean, Hey, if it's, if it's good, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be people out there fishing just like there were right before it shut down early in January. So, you know, anticipate, you know, hopefully some bigger fish too. You know, yeah. I, mm -hmm. I got a feeling, <laughs> I got a sneaky feeling they, they'll be bigger. <laughs> yeah, you would hope so. And I mean, hopefully a lot of the sub legals have moved on and, and, uh, we don't, we don't, you know, cut ourselves short here by too many, too high of encounter rate on these sub legal fish before we actually retain our, our quotable fish. So got that to look forward to. I'm anticipating hopefully we get at least six days. As you said, Mark, after March 1st, you know, it's part of that pressure will will bounce out to CQ. I'm really hopeful that we can see this blackmouth fishery make it into March 4, 5, 6. Uh, as far as I'm looking at it, the tide the tide setup for 4, 5, 6 seems a lot more conducive to catching fish than this first early early part of it. What, do you, what are your thoughts? You think we'll make it into that second weekend? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident we'll get there. I mean, when I was listening in to the uh, sport advisory meeting, um, you know, they were anticipating that, you know, it, that's pretty safe to say we'd get two weeks for sure. But, yeah. you know, who knows what happens after that? You know, fingers crossed that, you know, hey, it goes a lot longer and we're all surprised, you know. Right. And this is that time of the year, like you had said, you know, those shakers start moving out of, out of the central mm -hmm. sound area. So let's, let's see if that really comes to fruition and then, mm -hmm. You know, I, I, God, the guys fishing area thirteen too right now, man. They're just they're quietly catching some nice <laughs> they sure are. Right down there. You yes. know, I, I hate to bust their bubble on that, mm -hmm. but you know, <laughs> it is fishing. If, it is fishing. Yep. Yep. It is. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so get out there and follow John Kaiser around. That's what you just said. That, that's <laughs> yeah. what I heard you say, Mark. That's what I heard you say, too. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Look for the little glass fly. That's right. There you yeah. go. Not the big boat, the no, little boat. the little boat, the little sneaky, stealthy. Yeah. So, you know, another another one, and Dwayne kind of mentioned it briefly, but the CQ opportunity, you know, I think a lot of people, um, it this opportunity, I think, catches them by surprise. They're almost, you know, you associate – you know, CQ in the strait, almost the coast, you know, you kind of think like Halibut and Lincoln, and then boom, you get hit with this March 1st um, blackmouth opener, yeah. right? 
And it is phenomenal fishing, and it, it always be, surprises mm -hmm. me how many people don't take advantage of this right. fishery. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on the CQ fishery, Mark? Are you excited yeah. for it? Oh, God, yeah, after what we saw last year. And, you know, this is one of those things, right? You can, you know, unlike Area 10, you can say, I want to go on X date in March, and you're going to be able to go, you know, whether that's March 1 or March 31st. Right. You know, it's a seasoned fishery, so we're not driven by any guidelines or quotas. So yeah. that's a nice thing. You can bank on going there anytime between March 1st and April 30th and, mm -hmm. and having the opportunity to catch someone a Chinook in the later time frame you go, you know, you'll start seeing some of these bigger springers that start sneaking in too. Mm -hmm. And you know, and I know those fish are in those upper teens and some nice quality oh, fish. And like, like you said, Tommy, I mean, then you get to mix it up. What is it around, you know, middle of March, March 12th, if I'm correct, for, yeah. for Lincoln, you know, just across that other side of the CQ river in that mm -hmm. 4B area. So, you know, the, the, the opportunity up there, you're <laughs> just, don't be surprised if you're not the only one up there, you know, I mean, there's going <laughs> to yeah. be people up there, but you know, the other thing to that, and I just want to make people aware is that, you know, we did have a couple of landslides on highway 112. Yes, we and did. so you're having to, you're having to take the bypass road, but you know, it's, 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 a, it, it'll take you only 15, 25 minutes longer. It's mm. a little more, you know, not as smooth concrete road as you might think, you know, <laughs> you have to deal with some logging trucks. A little, a little hey, careful. Yeah. Yeah, you, you get there in one piece, and that's that's the main thing. You get on the water, and it's still the same fishery. So, yeah, that's that's pretty exciting. Been hearing some rumblings that that is supposed to hopefully get opened up or cleared up. Have you heard anything in that regard? I'm sorry, what was that? That the uh, the landslides are going to be cleaned up, and the road should get back opened here yeah, sometime. So when I talked to Brandon Mason up there at Mason's Olsen okay. Resort, and he had said uh, this is weeks ago that they already they already got the permit out and everything they were supposed to start construct work on that last last week i believe and mm. the, they're targeting for the end of april and i know that doesn't really jive much with people trying to go up between now and or march and then but yeah. you know i mean like i said you know it's a little inconvenience but you know i know some other guys are just going to boat up there too but you know, I, <laughs> that's a long boat ride if you don't got a big boat. Oh, that's yeah. true. And if it's nautical, too. It's oh, it's a long nautical ride. will be a little bit of a bump, yeah. Yeah, bumpy road there. So, hey, yeah. uh, we're going to have some uh, early spring here. we got some, some bottom fish opportunity coming up, too. What are your thoughts in that regard? You know, it's it's looking good for the coast. I mean, yeah. you know, guys are, guys are cheering up for that. I mean, you have a lot of opportunities again. I like the way the seasons are all set up for halibut now compared to how they had been in mm -hmm. the past year. You know, and you've got a little earlier start. I think it's April 7th for include in your Puget Sound in the Eastern Strait. So that's going to be nice. And then, you know, you got the May openers out there on the coast. And, you know, one thing when I had talked to some of the state coastal um, bottom fishing managers is that, you know, they'll be keeping an eye out. And if things happen like they did last year, we'll get some of that late summer halibut opportunities in there, too. Yeah, so, I'm looking forward you know, to that. That's all, that was always a fun thing for those guys salmon fishing out there. Right. So. Mm -hmm. And the fish just get bigger and bigger and yes. bigger. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. They do. <laughs> yep. And, I mean, the cherry on the ice cream and on the whip is that um, we've also got some clam dates coming up. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, we've got some digs going on tonight through, what is it, uh, the 18th here. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's it's been a banner season. And and now we've got, what, 25 spring dates set starting here on March 1st. And, 
you know, part of that switches out to the morning tide. Right. And, and it's, you know, think about this, guys. It's been, we didn't get it last year because of the marine toxins, right? Mm-hmm. And you think about the year before, and we got cut short because of COVID. Right. So it's been a long time since we've been able to have a full-on day, you know, daylight, low-tide spring dig. Yeah, so that's right? a good point. I think there's a lot of people chomping at the bit for that one. I've been seeing on social media saying, finally, you know, and oh, things yeah. like that. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm excited. The clams have just been super nice all winter. So, I mean, you know, nice-sized clams. The average has been what better than fourteen, and the limit's fifteen. And I think what brings that down a little bit are some of those stormy nights. So yeah. mm-hmm. you know you can't blame you can't blame anything outside of a storm, you right. know, for not being able to get a limit. Right, so that's yeah. good. Yeah, you know, morning uh, morning to early afternoon digs, uh, daylight hours, and nicer weather. Get out of these uh, stormy weather patterns. You know, a little better to get uh, kids out there on any of the weekend days you get, and just. Yeah, it becomes more of a family event when we get into this little nicer weather and daylight hours. So um, <laughs> definitely sure. good to look forward to. And, I mean, not you know we're, we're not shy of like 50 million clams out there with 25 million accessible. So yeah, it's, that's a beautiful uh, <laughs> We might have put a dent in it a little bit yeah. this last year, but, boy, there are a ton of clams, aren't there? Yeah, I think we're at. I think when I last saw it, it was through early February. We we're at 5.1 million, which oh. isn't even anything close, right? Yeah, wow. So, yeah. you know, we got a long ways to go. That's yeah, so. crazy. You know, so, time for me to get out there. Yep. Yeah, Tommy needs to get a clam gun in hand. So, well, uh, Mark, uh, appreciate the info. Uh, appreciate you being in your new position, and we will be tapping into that as a resource on a regular basis because you are one of the men in the know in the Pacific Northwest and keep us abreast of all things going on. So, we really appreciate your efforts. Well, thanks, guys, for having me on. I appreciate it, and we'll see you guys out on the water here. You soon, got huh? it. All right. Oh yeah. There you go, Mark. Right, Mark. Yeah. Mark, you also WDFW. Communications consultant Tommy, and uh, we're uh, we're glad to have him on board. That's for sure. Oh, for sure. So, all right. Uh, with that, we will jump out for a quick couple minute break. We come back. You are front stage and center in the my bait man. lab. In the bait lab, this blackmouth uh, discussions has got us kind of worked up here. Mm-hmm. I do want to get out to CQ. I was really hoping they get that road open, but as he said, as Mark said. Eh, an extra 25 minutes or so yeah. around about it. Not a big deal. You're going to head that way anyway, so yeah. just you know, yeah. suck it up and go do it. Drive slow, drag your boat, and uh, look forward to some amazing fishing. And it's a up. great fishery too because you're not you're not running 10 miles. You no, know, it's just you're right out front. A couple miles. Yeah, you know, and it's you're pretty, right there. Pretty amazing. So. Uh, with the price of fuel. Yeah, it's important. It's important yep. that if you can take advantage of some of these amazing fisheries within a mile or two of uh, where you're leaving, as in your harbor, uh, mm-hmm. who does not want to go do that? Yeah. So this, this uh, getting into this early spring, it may be a little crowded out there. Mm-hmm. People want to go fishing. And um, if we can get back on the water chasing salmon early like this, it's, it's guaranteed to, to draw mm-hmm. some attention. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, But to help folks be successful in that regard, we're going to take it one step further. We're going to jump right. out for a break when we come back. Uh, Captain Tommy Donlan himself will be in the bait lab, breaking it down for you, showing you all things to uh, to be successful in the realm of catching blackmouth. There's a commonality on top of your table there. I took took notes. Yeah, there is. There's a certain color that uh, stands <laughs> out. I'm going to sit here and monitor the screen and see if folks pick see up if on. Can notice. See if uh, what's going on with your display <laughs> here this evening in the bait lab with Tommy Donlan. We come back after this commercial break right here at Fish on Northwest. Hi, we're Joe and Megan Malico, owners of Archery World up here in Lacey. We're a full pro shop, so we have a full pro service also. We have a huge indoor range. 
Uh, we carry 11 bow lines, all the major bow lines, and then there's subsidiary uh, companies too. Like if we carry Bowtech, we carry Diamond. If we carry Matthews, we carry Mission. When you come in, we're gonna ask you, uh, you know, what kind of price point you're looking for. Um, you know, what's your hope, what's your goals with this bow? And with that information in mind, we'll point you in the direction of, uh, you know, that price point bows, and then maybe give you uh, the option to test fire, maybe a higher level bow, just so you can compare. But um, it really is all about uh, getting what it is that's going to work for you. We don't upsell anyone. They shoot it, they like it, they don't like it, they don't get it. We don't, we don't operate like that. And so if you need it and you're, it puts you in the outdoors, we probably have it. So come down and see us. Hey everybody, welcome back to Fish on Northwest. We're in the Bait Lab, brought to you by Sportco and Max Lure. Hey. We're gonna talk about blackmouth fishing tonight and all of the rigging required for blackmouth fishing. Um, we got some really resident, um, you know, some resident schnook out there that are absolutely hungry. Um, and if you heed this advice, you're gonna put fish in your boat, trust me. Now, as you look at the table, you're gonna see a lot of a couple colors, but you're gonna see a lot of glow and you're gonna see a lot of green as you look across the table. Um, now, I had a chance to give some seminars at the Seattle Boat Show, and when I was there, I stopped by the Pro Troll booth. And so you're also gonna notice that I picked up um, some of the latest and greatest that they have to offer in their flasher lineup. And so, you know, one of the things that I wanna point out here, and, and anytime I'm fishing blackmouth, um, this is pretty, I'm pretty religious about this. You have to at least have, you know, 50% of your flasher should be glow, right? Now you can have some of those other um, other features on your flashers that you know different mylar's kind of the moon jelly style. You know, red racer is really popular, especially when we do have a San Juan fishery. Um, but you want to make sure that the glow is present, right? Um, you know, one of the other things that uh, Pro Trolls come out with, which I think is absolutely genius, and I do think it's an important factor. You know, especially when you are fishing deep water, especially when the water clarity isn't great, is to have something that you know provides an extra flash, right? And so with these flashers, you've got now a blinking light in the middle of the flasher. Um, these last about 80 hours, you can replace them. You can also buy their stick-on models, which last up to 200 hours. But if you think about it, and you think about, you know, just putting a light off the dock, right? When we go squidding, what are we doing? We use lights, right? That collects basically the, the basis of your food chain, right? All of those phytoplanktons, those zooplanktons, and then the bait fish show up, and then the bigger predators show up, everything from salmon to pinnipeds, it doesn't really matter. So it makes a lot of sense to be able to put off that light um, in the water column to attract the fish. And do I think it matters every day? No, but I absolutely think that when you're having a really tough day, you know, and the fish are scattered or they're just not biting, it's something that a little bit extra that are gonna bring them into your spread. So, you know, the first thing I would do is really, you know, start with um, a flasher that's got this kind of profile to it and this kind of light um, emitting feature to it. Um, the other thing I'll say is, you know, this is a standard flasher. So if you do want to turn this into a breakaway flasher, if you remember, um, Dwayne did a bait lab a while back that shows how you can convert your standard flasher to a breakaway so that you're not actually fighting the flasher um, when you're salmon fishing. So it's a great, great idea to go back and find that one. 
Now let's go back down to the table. What I want to talk about next is really um, size profile, right? And so what I did here is I laid out, you know, starting with your coho killer, um, going to your kingfisher, you've got two coho killers. And it really from the surface, they look the same, right? You got different eye color. But then when you look at the back, you've got a glow side. This is your Irish cream, right? And then you've got the chrome on the two face. So you've got kind of the chrome and then you've got the glow and the UV on the other side. As you go this direction, you've got your two inch, you've got your uh, three inch, you've got a three and a half, and you've got your four inch. Now, you know, you might think, we're fishing blackmouth, isn't that, isn't that a small lure game? Aren't they eating sand lance or small herring? And I, I tell you what, salmon are, can be a finicky eater, right? And so, you know, I mean, Dwayne and I saw this last summer fishing the Chinook bite right off Nia Bay. Um, they wanted nothing but, and these are summer run king salmon, and they wanted nothing but the two-inch kingfisher, chrome face. That's it. They wouldn't take any other spoon. They wouldn't take any other size. That's it. And so when you look at this lineup, that's why I've got every size listed here. Because if you go out there and say you want to run, you know, a small profile because you are fishing blackmouth and you start with the two inch, but, you know, you're into small fish, right? And so you're constantly just releasing these fish. Well, you know, your goal is not to go out there and release a bunch of sublegal fish and put a lot of hooks and mouths, right? That's not the goal. Your goal is to catch keeper size schnook that you can bring home and put in your freezer or on your grill. And so in that scenario, right, it makes sense to step up to, to that bigger size, right? But on any given day, you know, until you sample that first fish and know what they're feeding on, you don't know whether they've got a, the three inch bait in their stomach or they've got a four inch bait. So you really got to be ready to vary your presentation until you find something that works. Um, on the other side of the table here, you've got your ace high flies and same thing. Um, you've got your junior, which, and sometimes, and I've seen a lot of micro herring over the past year, year and a half, um, you never know when they're going to be on it. So having something small in there really does, goes a long ways. And by the way, these are all herring aid colors. Um, this is your needlefish ace high fly. Slimmer profile works when they're into the candlefish. You know, and the other thing is you'll know when you catch a blackmouth that they're in the candlefish, typically because you will see the scrape marks in their gills, in their gill covers, right? So that means they're down, they're on the bottom, and they're digging in the mud to find those bait. Um, and then you've got your, your full profile um, ace high fly here. Okay. Another thing is, you know, you can always vary your profile by, by adding a tail wagger, okay? So go to the table here and look, take a closer look at this. So what is a tail wagger? The tail wagger is effectively this mini hoochie with a, uh, there's a swivel in here. Um, and this is a welded ring because this was bought exactly like this. But if you wanted to make your own, you can convert them with a size four split ring and your own hoochie, whatever color you want. Um, they come in all sorts of different colors. Um, I'm a big fan of anything that glows. Love pearl white, a lot of UV in here. But effectively, what you're going to do is you're going to cut this solid ring, you're going to install the split ring, and then you're going to take one of these hoochies, take a small barrel swivel, insert it in there, attach a siwash hook, right? Because that's what this is. You need to have an open eye so that you can crimp it onto um, your barrel swivel. And then you've just made a tail wagger rig. Now, the one thing I will tell you about this rig, 
is that, and especially for blackmouth, when we're typically trolling a little bit slower, maybe, you know, mile and a half, two miles an hour, it's not quite that, you know, ocean summer run king style speed, like two and a half knots. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this spoon and if I put it on the table here, you should be able to see it. I'm going to put a bend in just about the last quarter of this spoon, right? I'm going to kick the tail over. And so I'm just going to take it, put my thumbs together where I want that bend, and I'm going to put a bend in it. And I'm going to put it in the water, and I'm going to swim this spoon. And at the speed that I'm going, if it's got the, enough action and it's wiggling right, I'm going to leave it. If I feel like uh, it's kind of still a dog, I'm going to bend it even more. It's better to have too much bend than not enough bend. You have to have the action there. Now, obviously, if you bend it at 90 degrees and it starts twirling, right, you, you bent it too much, but bend it back. Um, the same thing goes with a coho killer. So when you look at a coho killer, and this applies to our blackmouth fishery as well as our summer fishery, you want to put a very aggressive bend in this coho killer. Almost almost to the point where it's in a U. That is how, that is the bend that I want in a coho killer. Super aggressive, has lots of action. Um, just a really good way to fish a coho killer. Okay, now it's not just about lures. Um, I, I love lures because, you know, you're not sitting there wondering like, oh, is my bait still there? Uh, did I rig it right? Did I rig it right? And it fished good for five minutes and then it lost its form and now it's doing a helicopter, right? Or it's not, it doesn't have that tight drill bit spin. And so the next thing I wanna show you is I really wanna show you a rig that's like a foolproof bait rig, okay? Absolutely love this rig. Um, so let me bring this over into the table, move some of this other stuff aside. And so what you're looking at here is a, a Rice Davis head. Okay, and you're looking at a rigging wire. They call it a uh, teaser head tuning rod. Okay, there's the packaging. It comes in, I think there's about a 10, 10 pack, um, and this is what it is. It's a wire, and it's got a little hook on the end. And then this hook, you're going to form into the two holes common to the vertical flange of this head right here. And you're going to bend the wire back so it's pointing directly aft. Now what you're going to do is you're gonna slide your bait onto this wire and now that becomes the backbone of your bait, okay? And you can form it in whatever shape you want. And here's the other thing. This doesn't just work for anchovies. It works for anchovies, it works for red label, it works for green label, okay? It works for a variety of those baits um, so really, really well. And so you're not sitting there cutting, you know, cut plug herring and then going, okay, well, it's been down there 20 minutes it's probably mushroomed. I got to pull it up, right? Every time you take a line out of the water, you're not fishing. And so, you know, that kind of brings me to my next point. I've got these on the line, right? And I'll have maybe two down if I'm fishing all bait, but I've got two more rigged up. So if I get hit and I don't stick that fish and I bring it up and I've been, you know, just ripped off, I'm just going to grab another leader and clip it right on and I'm good to go. If you bring it up and you're sitting there and you're rigging that next bait, you're wasting your time, right? So always try to have extras rigged on leaders ready to go. So it's just one snap and boom, you're going, you're on, okay? Um, yes, sir. There we go. Oh, I was wondering. There you go. One more. All right. Can't forget those. You can keep throwing at me. All right. Here we go. The magic sauce. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Okay. Um, the only other thing I want to mention about these wires is that um, you have to cut them, right? You're not going to use a full length wire unless you were to run like a purple label herring maybe, 
okay? Even a blue label, you're gonna be cutting this wire. You don't want it coming um, out of the skin, okay? So keep that in mind. So that's the bay rig right there. Um, you know, the other thing, and we've seen this from time to time, we saw it last summer. I know Dwayne's uh, been out blackmouth fishing, and which is why he was throwing me some fire gel. But um, Potsky's has done a really good job with their latest lineup, and we're pretty much always smothering the lures. And I joke a lot because Dwayne's putting this stuff on like cologne, deodorant, rubs it on himself, puts it in a spray bottle, hits his face a little bit, and then he rubs it all over my flashers. So I have to hide my flashers because he will just absolutely slather them um, like barbecue ribs, okay? Um, now, the other thing I do want to cover is, you know, there's always going to be a time where, you know, you're running bait, I'm not catching fish. You're running spoons, I'm not catching fish, okay? And maybe the bite was good, and then it died, and it, it seems like whatever you're throwing at them doesn't matter. That's when I'm going to pull out the plugs. And so that's when I'm going to come and um, troll fast, number one, Right, so I'm going to pick up my speed instead of trolling two miles an hour. It's going to be three miles an hour, maybe more, and I'm going to blaze through there. And um, so what I've got here is I've got a couple of the Silver Horde um, lineup, kind of the the UV purple glow, um, kind of a green design here in pearl, and then your herring aid, um, and then I've got a couple smaller Atomic plugs. Okay, these are the uh, four inches right here, uh, 602. And I can't quite remember this color, but kind of a green and pearl, an older school color. Um, but I'm going to troll fast, right? And, and I'm looking for a reaction bite, right? I'm looking to put something that, um, you know, covers a wide swath, moves back and forth. And I'm going to try to put that in their face to try to get a reaction bite. Um, kind of a totally different profile than something that looks like a wounded bait, right? Um, with, you know, your hoochies, your ace high flies, your spoons, you're putting them behind a flasher. Um, you're, you know, the hoochies in particular, you're rigging with 40 pound test or greater because you're really trying to get that wounded bait roll out of the presentation. That's not the case with the di with these plugs, right? With these Tomic and, and Silver Horde plugs. These things swim, right? It looks like a live fish. And so what I do is I try to cover a lot of area, see if there's some place where the fish are that I didn't think of. And it gives me an alternative when nothing else is working and you can kind of get that aggression bite instead of that, you know, wounded fish bite. Okay. So kind of keep that in mind. And so, you know, with that, these are the tactics that I'm using when I go blackmouth fishing. Um, you know, heed this advice. These tactics works, works, work really well. Excuse me. Um, you know, hit up area 10 coming in a couple days. We got CQ on March 1st. It's going to be phenomenal. Make sure you get up there. Um, and don't go anywhere. We're going to be out for a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to close out the show. Sportco and Outdoor Emporium is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975, providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. Make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors await you. It's easier than ever to browse homes and connect with an agent on the go with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate's mobile app. With the app, your home search is synced across all of your devices, so you can pick up your home search anytime, anywhere. Take full advantage of an enriched, mobile-optimized map search experience. Use location services to quickly find homes near you that match your search criteria. 
Draw your own map boundaries to find homes in a specific area and apply layers to view school districts, neighborhoods, zip codes, and more. The app's user-friendly design makes it easier than ever to find a home you'll love. Narrow down your search results, save your search criteria, and save your favorite homes. You can browse your saved homes in a list view that puts photos and key details, like price and square footage, right at your fingertips. Or check out your saved homes displayed on the map. Welcome back in studio as we close out the show. Nicely done, brother. Thank you, sir. I think you covered the gamut in there. I certainly tried. Uh, and I, I, nice that you got your hands on some, some fire gel. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I put that stuff on everything. I know. We <laughs> talked about it before the show. I know. And then it was like, wait a second. I didn't I'm put it up on the table. Wait a second. We're, yeah. we're talking hardware. We got no sand in there. That's, no, that's yeah, a no-go yeah, yeah. for it me. Work. So uh, yeah. anyway, yes, uh, hopefully that inspires a handful of you to get out there and chase Blackmouth with some of the tricks and techniques Tommy displayed in front of you because, trust me, they do work and they will put fish in your box. So uh, with that, you know, Mark kind of mentioned it. We got some North of Falcon meetings mm -hmm. and meetings coming up. North of Falcon process will be starting here pretty soon. It rolls out with the preseason forecast meeting. All of that in that meeting schedule, I get messages from time to time, people ask, because now that everything is online, we're so used and accustomed to everything being online, Tommy, with all the Zoom mm -hmm. and the COVID and everything, right. uh, as we get past that, thankfully. But uh, the meetings are um, uh, easy to land on, and you can have those running in your background, listen to them with your earbud at work if that's what you got to do. <laughs> but if you're interested in this stuff, and you should be, um, the meetings are going to kick off. We got the we got the forecast meetings coming up. Um, go to you know you can simply Google 2022 North of Falcon public meeting schedule. It's just that easy. Just Google 2022 North of Falcon public meeting schedule WDFW, and um, when you, when you type that in, it basically prompts you right to a, an option. You click on that. It opens it up on the WDFW page. It has the entire uh, schedule lined out on a calendar, kind of a moving calendar for you. You can click on any one of those meetings. Um, it prompts you to the next page, and then it says uh, uh, register. And all you're doing is having them send you a reminder email mm -hmm. of when that Zoom meeting is going to be. So you can get on that schedule and you can click as many of those registers as you want. You're going to get that reminder. You're not going to miss any meetings. They can be completely out of your area. We used to have to travel to all these. I would drive a couple hours to go sit in and listen right. to these meetings. Now I can simply register, watch it from home, and keep track of what's going on and mm -hmm. kind of see what the numbers are lining up and start planning my uh, vacation time if I need to based on mm -hmm. forecasts mm -hmm. and, and, and the uh, opportunity we're going to get. Who doesn't want to see some of these fisheries hopefully open up to a two-fish retention? Yeah, for sure. You know, when you – well, when I was growing up before you and then you, younger. Yeah, uh, like – Three decades later. Yeah, we were yeah. <laughs> we were used to two fish limits. Two fish was kind of like yeah. the norm. I thought it was like six or eight fish when you were a kid. No, no, no. Okay. Actually, there was no limit. There just was take, no limit. Take yes. what you want. Didn't need a license. <laughs> it was like it was like Oregon weekend yeah. <laughs> free fishing, right? So, um, yeah, it and then then it kind of started shifting towards well, this particular river you get one fish, but over here you can still get two, and mm -hmm. I you know we've just become accustomed to all these one fish limits. Yep. It really is getting uh, to the point where I don't know if we'll ever get two fish limits back, but we do have some pretty substantial numbers coming in. I want to see where some of these are going to land. And if we do, in fact, maybe out here in this coastal region, get opportunity on some of our tributaries to retain some of these hatchery Chinook that, that yeah. we continue to put back in the water year in and year out. Oh, that's it painful. makes absolutely no yeah. sense. You know, first couple of weeks, October, big, fatty, nice chrome tributary uh, Chinook 
white belly, and you got to put it back in with a with a clipped adipose fin. Oh. So let's hope we can get there on some of that. It would be uh, to your benefit to tune in on as many of those as you can. I know often you guys get frustrated. You say there's no reason to tune in, Tommy. It's like they don't listen to us anyway. Knowledge is powerful. If you're not paying attention to what's going on on the hunting front as of late, and all the groups coming after us. Yeah. And if you're not up to speed on the fact that there are organized groups that do not want us hunting and do not want us fishing, yep. they would just Period. like to see that all go away. Yeah. Well, if you think the meetings are a waste of time, then you're missing the the overall message here. Right. right? And just to reiterate, we're, we're such a small population on both yes. the hunting side and the fishing side yes. that we really can't afford to not support each other. Correct. And I don't care if, you know, you don't hunt cougar or you don't go duck hunting or you don't fish salmon or, or whatever the case is. It doesn't matter. It, it is... We are in a period of time where it is the principle of it, and we absolutely need to support each other right. every time, and we have to be vigilant. 100%. Yeah. Nailed it. Okay, with that, we are, uh, are going to jump out of here for this, uh, this <laughs> Thursday. We are done. Uh, looking forward to next week. Going to have a whole bunch of more info to bring yeah. to you folks. Uh, I will have spent a day on the water with Troy Black. Looking forward to that. Going to get out fishing. So weather looks pretty decent. No major storms coming in, and conditions are ideal as we roll into next weekend. Spend this week getting ready for that blackmouth opportunity and or get out on the water somewhere. There is a lot of great uh, fall-winter trout fishing opportunities happening right now on some of the lakes that are open year-round. Get those holdover rainbows. There's things to do, so go make it happen. Have a great week. Be safe. We'll see you next week right here in studio, Fish on Northwest. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish Hunt Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the bait lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and, of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. And finally, go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. 
And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.